Hello, this is Ed and Jones, and you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree. Yeah, for Tuesday, the 12th of July. (laughs) Aiden, why do you sometimes sing at the start of the podcast? It's never, it's always uncomfortable, isn't it? Wasn't that uncomfortable? Do you guys like that? Because I felt uncomfortable in it when I did it. And now, even thinking about it in the past, I feel uncomfortable. Ah, all right. Hello. How are you? Doing good? I'm doing... uh, You know what? I feel like I'm doing pretty good, actually. I'm ready to be proven wrong over the course of this podcast. Maybe I'll start talking and find that actually I'm not doing that well. Maybe I'll find that I'm doing, you know, really bad. Unhappy. Not sure. Bit of tea, maybe, to calm the nerves. Oh, yes. You guys having a good week? Nice little start to your week on Tuesday and they're off and it's Monday morning and we're going up to the, we're going to work and we're waking up early and it's still really cold in Melbourne and then it's Tuesday and it's still really cold, but it's okay because the podcast comes out today and you're listening to the podcast right now. It's 10.54am as I record this podcast on the Tuesday, the 12th of July. I still haven't really said anything about my week. <sighs> <laughs> You know what? I reckon something must be wrong for my energy to be this fucked. I reckon something. I reckon if we fucking dig down a little bit, we're gonna find some real, some real cooked this week. Man, it's been. Um, I'll start with last week on Tuesday. I had a great set. The where where I left you. <laughs> Let's go back to where we left our hero. <laughs> And that's me, by the way. I'm the hero of the podcast. So are you guys. Maybe you guys, maybe you guys are the villains of the podcast because without you, the podcast would just be allowed to die. <laughs> you guys are the ones keeping this thing going. As much as I'm like, yeah, man, I'd do it if no one listened. Would I, though? <laughs> like, would I actually? I mean, if you guys all just stopped listening, please don't stop listening. By the way, I don't want you to. But you know, if you did, I'd be fr- I'd be free to just, you know, wither away. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh. but last Tuesday, where I left you, I was about to go do my gig at the at the comics lounge, and uh, I did it. And you know what? I had my best fucking gig there ever. I did so good. I went on just like I was saying. I I had the humility to allow myself to be the performer and give the performance that the audience had paid for rather than going on and just trying to pretend like I was somewhere with it that I wasn't, you know? Like I, I was trying to pretend for ages that I was more comfortable on the big stage than what I actually was like going on, you know, in front of 450 people and trying to pretend like that was normal to me. Man, so many times in the in the years that I've been doing stand-up, I've been at a club and I've talked to the other acts and it's like they're doing, you know, their, their new shit or whatever because they're comfortable at that club. And I want to be on that level with them. Like I want to be there at the same level they are. 
So I'm like, yeah, I'll just do new material too. But like the booker doesn't know me. And so like if I do new material and don't do well, they just think that I'm at that level. But I have this thing where I so I, I just I want everyone to be like, oh yeah, he's cool, you know. But like who am I proving that to? They don't care how, they just care if I do well. No one else has really seen the material. I'm the only one who knows that I'm doing new material. So I'm really just trying to prove this fucking stupid point to myself. And what ends up happening is I do new material, so I go, Yeah, man, I'm cool. But I don't do well, and so I don't get asked back. It's it's self sabotage is what it is. Trying to prove this silly, arrogant point to myself. And I've done that in so many different contexts. And what I was doing at the comedy store a few weeks ago is the same thing. Like, not with the material so much, although I did fuck around with the material as well. And I'm embarrassed to say that I was like talking about that backstage now. I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to do a silly set. Like, what the fuck does that mean? But I was trying to pretend like I, you know, like I was more comfortable in that room than what I was. And and that also bled into the way that I was taking the stage with my shoulders down and a kind of diminutive posture as if I was walking into a room of 40 people. But I wasn't. It's 350. It's full. It's the comedy store. And what I did on Tuesday at the lounge was I went on with my chest puffed out, acting like like knowing that I need to pretend that I'm okay with it. Does that make sense? I still, I really don't like the phrase fake it till you make it. And I think it's just because it rhymes. <laughs> and I just don't like that. I just don't like that it's too fucking, it's too hack and everyone said, you fake it till you make it, but people don't actually think about what that meant. But that is, ex it's exactly what I'm doing. Maybe I just got to let myself, yeah, that's it. I'm faking it until I'm making it. That's what I did at the comics now. I had a great set, man. And, uh, I got some great advice from uh, from Dilruk Jai Singer backstage, who was very kind. And that was a thing as well. He went on and just riffed. And if I was in a more arrogant, competitive mindset with myself, I would have heard him talking about going on and riffing before the show and been like, I can fucking do that. And I would have been, it would have been bad. I would have had a bad set. But it's like, no, I can't do that. I'm not there yet. You know, he's comfortable on that stage. He plays it all the time. I don't. So when he... When I watched him go on and just riff about, you know, some stuff that he'd been talking about backstage and it was great. And it would, he was comfortable on stage. The audience were comfortable with it. But if I tried to do that, I know that I'm not comfortable enough on that stage to not freak out if I start bombing. So I went on and I just did my set. I came out on the front foot and I brought it to the audience. I didn't wait for them to come to me. And then after the show, you know, what Dylan and I had been talking about, he, he was just like, you did exactly that, man. It was great. It was a crush. The other guys from the club said it was great. It was just a victory all round. Um, and I was really proud of having had that set there because I haven't had a really good one yet where I felt like I was in control. So that was a, a massive win for me. And then another huge win was that was Tuesday night. Friday night, I did Comedy Republic. And the comic sounds of Comedy Republic are kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum, like in terms of the kind of acts who are like associated with those clubs and like the comics lounge is a kind of place where a lot of guys go who do like they make their living doing footy clubs and regional gigs and um, a lot of the audience are like from the suburbs, you know, and they're 
not necessarily fans of comedy and that they don't know a lot of like a lot of like alter- they don't know alternative comedy they love like Carl Barron you know and um, and by the way genuinely there's nothing wrong with that I think that's sick I think Carl Barron fucking rocks and he's so funny um, but I think there's a tendency in the industry and amongst kind of alternative and like, you know, city-based comics to look down their nose at that kind of stuff. And I know I have for a long time as well, but I'm really, I'm, the, the lounge, man, it's, it's awesome. You know, it's a big room with great crowds. And, um, and the reason I'm proud is because I did my set at the lounge and then I did the same set, the same material on Friday night at Comedy Republic, which is also a fantastic venue. Um, but it's got a bit more of a focus on, uh, you know, it's like alternative. It's like, there's a lot more of a focus on representation, which is important. Um, and diverse lineups and all that kind of stuff. They do, they're two, they're two different clubs filling a completely different. That's the thing, right? I think there's a tendency to see one and the other as like a pose, but they're not, I don't think they're in opposition to each other. I think they're filling two different spaces in the overall market for live entertainment in Melbourne. And one isn't actually taking away. If anything, they're not in competition at all because they're going for completely different markets and completely different audiences and types of people. And they're, for the most part, booking completely different acts. So um, I was really proud of the fact that because their audiences are so different, but I want to be able to do comedy that appeals across audiences to everyone, you know? And I, uh, I did a set... The set that I did on Tuesday was the same that I did on Friday and it did just as well at both. And I'm very proud of that to have written jokes that work at both of those venues, you know? So that was cool. Here's another thing. I was thinking about, um, man, my friend, uh, Blake Freeman, who is like one of the best comics, um, in the country, I would say. And I haven't seen him do comedy in a long time, but uh, my, uh, someone who I know in comedy was talking about that they saw him at the Sydney comedy store and he always had this thing like, okay, fuck, how do I get into talking about this? Uh, oh yeah. All right. This, here's the connection, right? On Thursday, I did a gig in Geelong. And, uh, by the way, thank you to anyone. If you're listening, who came out to that gig in Geelong, um, that was so much fun. We ended up getting a crowd. The tickets were a bit light beforehand, but I gave a few away and uh, had some walk-ups and whatever. It was a fucking sick show. And uh, Casey Phillips, who opened, did a great job as well. And thank you to the brewery for having us. And to K-Rock, rock, 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 who promoted the show on the radio beforehand. Whatever. It was great. Um, so at the show afterwards, a couple girls came up and they were like, man, we saw you at this other show at the brewery a few months ago. And I was like, oh, was it? And they were like, yeah, man. It was the one where that fucking, the couple of people came in drunk and started heckling. <laughs> they started heckling the performer on stage. And um, if you guys haven't, go back and listen to episode 226, The Long Weekend. Um, I talk about, I just went and checked on I talk about it in like the first 10 minutes of the episode because that story that fucking thing when the guy said go to the beach (laughs) oh my god and these girls were like yeah we were at that show and i actually checked the video of the show and um 
I can see them in the video. I was like, oh, those are those girls. But yeah, they were like, you were the funniest and you were fucking whatever. So we came to see this, which is so cool. It's like, oh, it is worth going and doing those shows. You can get fans, you know, people will come. So, um, yeah, big ups to those girls. And just what a great excuse to go back and revisit that fucking video, man. <laughs> oh, God. Go to the beach isn't on the isn't in the video, but I do talk whatever. Anyway, but the reason I uh, I linked that back to Blake is because I remember that night watching the MC kind of struggling to deal with these two hecklers and thinking that he was almost scared to look away from the audience because he was scared that they wouldn't be there or that that you know like you're looking at the audience and and maybe that's how you're keeping their attention and if you stop focusing your attention on them that they'll they'll stop focusing their attention on you. And that felt like that was why he was not addressing the hecklers as directly as he might have because he was scared that the audience would drift. And I remember thinking that, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's me projecting my shit because maybe I'm scared of doing that. And I remember a friend saying that he saw Blake at the comedy store doing a set and delivering a joke with his back to the audience. And I remember seeing Blake, like even before the pandemic, the way he would do comedy, that he would like turn his shoulders a lot and be like side on and stuff. And um, it's just like, uh, my friend said that to me, delivered a joke with his back to the audience. And I'm like, that is the, the most, that's the most terrifying shit I've ever heard in my fucking life. To just turn away and just be like, I'm not even looking at you right now. And not say it, but to just project that level of confidence to be like, I don't even need to look at you. I know you're listening to me. is incredible. And um, I thought I'm going to try and do that. And I at Comedy Republic, I was going side on to the audience, but I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it, man. And it's a, it's a small room. It's fucking... It must have been like 80 people though. They had a half of the room, or not a half, they had like a little bit of the room sectioned off so that the rest could be full. So there must have been like 80, 80 or 90 in or something like that. And I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, that's something that I'm going to work on now. I'm going to straight up copy it. It's not really in my style, I guess. I don't know. I just want to do it as an experiment. Because like, yeah, if I could get to that point, I mean, that's the same thing as like going on at the lounge and needing to project the air of confidence. It's like, I don't want to do it just to do it and pretend that I'm comfortable doing that. I want to do it and actually know that I'm comfortable doing that. And I'm sure I'll be able to figure out a way eventually to do it myself that isn't contrived and that does feel natural. But um, yeah, man, I've been thinking about that so much. It's, I can't fucking wait to see that can't do comedy again. Um, what else do I want to talk about? I've actually got a bunch of stories here based on things I've done in the last few days. Yesterday I went yesterday I went and ended like a three, four month long saga. That's right. A saga that I had. Maybe that'll be the photo. What's gonna be the photo for this week? I've got a few options. Oh mate, of course the photo for this week is me on a fucking motorbike. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my mate came around on uh, Saturday, rode his fucking motorbike. He's got a brand, or not a brand new, but like he bought a Triumph 
which is all that I know about what it's called. It's just like, imagine a motorbike, you know? It's like the motorbike that you picture. It's just the fucking sickest one. Um, and uh, he rode it over to the house. We went for a ride on it, and then he parked in the driveway, and he was like, get on and rev the engine a bit. So I did that. And uh, that's going to be the photo for this week. Obviously, that's the fucking photo for this week. Um, so yesterday, I went to uh, something called a notary public, right? So my special is being distributed by this company in the States, and um, they've got the rights to it. Oh, man, how funny is this, actually? This is brutal. The ABC... I don't know if I can... Oh, I'm sure I can talk about this, whatever. I probably can't name prices, but uh, the ABC, like two days before the end of financial year, messaged my uh, management and were like, can we can like we get Aiden's special and release it as audio? But I've already signed over the rights to my special to this American company and audio and distribution and everything. But they were paying like a pretty decent sum of money. But we had a day and a half because they wanted to get it done by the end of financial year. <laughs> Because they just evidently had a bunch of money and were like, we got to spend it. So, um, got the people in the States and fucking, and they were kind enough to be like, you know what? We'll even, um, we'll allow you to have the rights for in Australia and whatever. And it was going to get done, but it just, it was, we had a day and a half to do it, you know? And it just didn't get done. And that was me going like, well, I signed over the rights to this thing, knowing that this may at some point happen. I didn't think it was going to happen so quickly that having signed over the rights, I would end up losing money in one part of the deal. But hopefully the fact that I signed the rights over means that I'm going to see more money from it in the future. That would be really cool. I'm hoping that the special does well. I think it's going to be coming out on audio platforms in September and they're currently pitching it to some streaming services and whatever. So, <sighs> but anyway, one of the things of, there's like a whole bunch of paperwork that I've needed to do for them. And one of the things is this, this, document called a certificate of origin and what it is is just all of these technical details about the special like the color format and the video format and like where it came from and who i am and like who's selling it and who produced it and whatever and i need to get it notarized so i'm like i'll take it to a justice of the peace so i took it to a justice of the peace and i just been meaning to do this forever like i filled it out and then they were like you got to take it to a jp and i was like oh fucking hell so I did that when I was in Sydney at the time and I went to a JP at the library and I sat down and he was like, I can't do this. You need to take it to someone called a notary public, which is a lawyer because it's international. It needs to be done for America, like for the USA. And I was just like, oh, God. I mean, I think I, I think I made this sound more stressful to myself than what it actually was. I went to one person and they said, you need to go to this person. And I was just like, no. <laughs> um, but anyway, I did. Uh, I booked a thing for a notary public in Melbourne and it was this, you know, some lawyer. It cost like 80 bucks. Annoying. <sighs> to literally get one piece of paper signed by someone with a stamp. And I set the appointment for uh, like nine o'clock in the morning. I was like, I'll get it done early doors. And I go out. I was late for the appointment. I missed my alarm like a fucking loser. Uh, so I go out in the cab and I'm late and I'm messaging him. I'm like, sorry, I'm going to be late. And uh, I get there. I'm like 15, maybe 20 minutes late to, to the appointment. Bad. Very bad. I hold my hands up. 
and he's like, oh, he was like about to leave. And I was like, oh, cool, here you are. And uh, we sit down at this table and he's got, he's like this old lawyer man. And I feel comfortable saying that that's maybe not like the best whatever, but because of what he did, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, here's the, st- you know, here's the document. It needs to be notarized for the States. And he's just got this backpack full of like, he just doesn't look like a lawyer. Do you know what I mean? Like, I imagine a lawyer, I'm like, someone who's got like a nice suit on who works in like a nice building. Not this guy who, he's just like a disheveled, you know, like he looks like if you put a suit on a hobo. <laughs> he doesn't look like that. He doesn't look that bad, but <laughs> he looks like he's ridden the trains a few times in his life, you know, like. He's just kind of like got a bit of five o'clock shadow or whatever. And like, he just looks kind of tired. That's what it, he looked tired. He just looked tired. And it was the morning. And his suit was just a little bit ruffled, you know, just like rough around the edges. But whatever. I mean, you know, that's, I got no problem with that kind of guy. And he's got this backpack. And anyone with a backpack, and I'm someone who carries a backpack, but it just feels like a bit of a, it's not, you know, someone who's crushing it doesn't have a backpack and they don't have a case on their phone. The kind of person who doesn't have a case on their phone, that's like saying, I don't care. I don't need to protect this. This isn't like a big deal for me. If it breaks, I'll get another one. And the same with having a backpack is like, you know, I need to walk around with all this stuff. What's that? Oh, whatever. Having a backpack is like, I need to walk around with all this stuff. Whereas like, if you don't have a backpack, you're like, if I don't have anything on my person, I'll just buy it. There's something about like, like being a backpacker, you know, there's like, that's why being a backpacker is like looked down upon because you're like, I I have all the stuff that I need in this fucking thing right here. What is that? Because you go on holiday, you take a big bag of clothes but I feel like rich people, when they go on holiday, they don't take a big bag of clothes. You don't see rich people walking around the airport with like a massive bag full of stuff, do you? Rich people are always like, where are, where are they? Where are the rich people when they go on holidays? Do they buy all of their clothes at the new place? I've never seen someone with a big bag at the airport and thought like, oh, they're rich. But... Surely rich people are going on long holidays because that's what you do if you're rich, but they only ever have one bag. I guess they're checking it. Yeah, they get out of their cab, out of their chauffeured fucking thing, and they put all of their stuff into one of those little wheelie doos and they check it all in. They check it all in. You never see them carrying it all because they've checked it and they've got gold, so they go straight to the head. There we go. That's where the rich people are. Or maybe they're just in a different terminal to me. They're all in the fucking Qantas terminal, aren't they? There we go. Anyway, that's the point of this. We've we've uh, we've we've completed the goal of this podcast every week, which is to ask the question: Where are all the fucking rich cunts? All right. So this guy's got a backpack, and uh, he's got all his clickety clackities, <laughs> all his fucking st- a backpack full of stamps. That's the thing that's unhinged about it. It's just like all these fucking stamps. Just like he's rummaging around in there like, where's the one for the USA? 
<laughs> like, do you have like a, a stamp for every member of the UN in this fucking backpack, King? <laughs> and then eventually the time in our meeting ran out. So it was like, okay, I'll write. He goes, write your address down on this. He gives me a post-it note. It's like, write your address down on this and I'll send you <laughs> the notarized document. And then he leaves and I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. I was like, do you, do I pay you? He's like, no, I'll send you an invoice. And then the invoice never comes. It's been a couple of weeks. I email him, no response. I email him again, no response. I'm kind of scared to call him because at this point, I'm thinking this guy stole my document and didn't notarize it as a punishment to me for being late to <laughs> Like that's how fucking, that's the level of guilt that I'm walking around with in my life. I'm like, it's a punishment and I deserve it rather than just like, yeah, man, the guy with 196 stamps in his backpack probably didn't remember to fucking file away the post that he gave you and and mail you. (laughs) Like that's a hundred percent what happened. A guy walking around with a backpack full of stamps. There's no way that guy is he forgot that he told me he was going to mail that as soon as he walked out of the fucking door. He was Bernard Black. This guy was Bernard Black. Fans of Black Books. Anyway. So that was gone. So I didn't want to call him again. So I just called another notary public. And I don't know what the fuck is going on with these notary publics, man. But they are a weird breed. Any lawyers, if you know, if you're like in the legal scene, and you have any kind of vibe on like what a notary public is or the kind of person that becomes a notary public, if you haven't heard of that person before, any stories, I would love to hear it because I'm getting the vibe that a notary public is like, they're like the jugglers of the, of the lawyer's profession, you know? Because it's such a weird specialized thing, but there's clearly money to be made. Because all you do is stamp stuff and sign things for all different countries and it has to be done. But like they charge, like the guy that I went to yesterday had a reception desk on level 13 of this building in the city. And then his office was on level 14. And like the receptionists were just there for him. And all he does is three minute, a three minute meeting is $88. A five-minute meeting is $120. And like a 10-minute meeting is like 160 or some shit. And it's like... I mean, yeah, and he's just got meetings back to back to back to back the whole time. Like, that is lunacy, isn't it? And there's all these people coming in who have to get shit notarized and he's just back to back in these fucking meetings. Um, so I sit in the reception desk for a bit... By the way, I put something on my Instagram that was like waiting for a lawyer and a bunch of people were like, Aiden, why are you waiting for a lawyer? <laughs> I mean, I guess I've got form for that, you know, previously in my life years and years ago, but it was to get something signed for my comedy special, all right? So I go into the lawyer's office, I get called up. There's this fucking Spanish guy chewing gum so loud in the fucking reception. I want it to be like, amiguito, afuera, see? Can you fucking chew that outside? El masticador. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, would that work if I called him the chewer? El masticador. Hola, el masticador. Afuera, por favor. I don't know if that's good Spanish or not, but that's the Spanish I made up in my head when I was a bit, 
when I was standing up to him in my fucking fantasy. Um, but uh, he got cold, and then I got cold in the office. And I walk into this office. The guy's got two. He's got he's got receptionists downstairs, and then he's got two like assistants, like working for him in his office. And uh, I walk into his office, and on the right hand wall, there's four golden. <laughs> this is true. Four like gold wooden chests, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like you would find, like you would imagine in like some Ottoman fucking uh, palace. But they're not, si- they're sitting on like filing cabinets. <laughs> He's got like four gold chests sitting on like a metal filing cabinet from the 80s. And he's got like a gold ornate fucking clock that's just like, just tick-tocking away in the corner of the room. And he's this, like, old white guy. And he's like, g'day, mate. And he's all chill. Like, he was just, you know, I had a nice chat with him. He's walking around doing stuff. He asked me about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a comedian. I got my special. I gave him my card. He was like, yeah, we watch YouTube at break time at lunch. So I'll, we'll, we'll chuck your fucking your YouTube on tomorrow. I was like, yeah, sick, man. I'd love that. Got the thing notarized. Why has he got four gold chests? I don't know what that is. How is one notary public walking around with a backpack full of stamps and the other one's got four gold chests and a clock on level 14 of a building on Queen Street? Do you know what I mean? And they're doing the same job. I mean, clearly the guy with the backpack could do with some assistance, I reckon. He's just not organized enough. Whatever. I'd love to get those two guys in the room. Maybe they went to school together and they hate each other. <laughs> they went to notary public college. <laughs> They went to Hogwarts for little fucking stamp boys. Anyway, so I got it done. It's been four months. The first mention of it was March and I finally got it done. The monkey is off my back. Thank God. Um, I got one more story for you, I reckon. Have I got anything else I want to talk about? Do I have anything else I want to talk about? Um, If you are in Newcastle or the Newcastle area, Central Coast in New South Wales, first of all, I'm sorry that your area has been flooded for the fourth time in the last few months. And second of all, come to my show. (laughs) I'm doing a show in Newcastle on Sunday. And it's one of the last shows that I'm doing in Australia before I head off for like six weeks. I'm going so soon, man. Uh, I did a show last night in Castlemaine at uh, this venue called Creamtown, this like cafe that was fucking awesome. They gave us pizza. Uh, I've got a show on Thursday in Gordon, um, just near Ballarat. If you're around that area, check that out at the Gordon Hotel. It's on my website, aidenjonescomedy.com. And then the Newcastle show is the 17th of July on the Sunday at 5pm at Newcastle Comedy Club. That is also on my website. Um, And then after that, Next week, I've only got a few gigs. I've got one in Sydney on the 18th. If you're around in Sydney and want to come hang, uh, that's at Harry's Comedy at Hotel Harry on Monday night, the 18th. Um, next week, I'm doing a few things, seeing some friends before I leave. And then my last show in Melbourne is at Club Voltaire on the 22nd of July next week. I'm doing Laughing Heart in Cairns on the 25th of July if you want to come to that. If you're in Cairns or, or around in the area. And then on Friday the 29th, I will be doing my show, Taco, at uh, the Comedy Clubhouse in Barcelona, where I touch down. And then on the 4th, man, 
Edinburgh is fucking hotting up. I'm like working on this documentary. I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row. I had a conversation with the editor last night who was just saying like, I've got some concerns about the footage that you're going to get and that the guy's inexperienced. And I'm like, look, man, yes, the guy is inexperienced, but he's had some training and whatever. And I'm just, I'm like, worst case scenario, I pay the 2000 pounds. So like three and a half thousand dollars to get this thing filmed and none of the footage is usable. And I've just lost that money. If that happens, fine. But I was watching a video by Struthless, Struthless69 on Instagram. This dude fucking rocks. Campbell Walker, uh, an illustrator from Sydney. And I was watching some of his videos on, uh, on YouTube about like procrastinating. And he was saying like, the, like so many creative people have the habit of starting projects because it's exciting but not finishing and starting a new one and a new one and never finishing anything. And, um, you know, the best thing you can do is rather than give yourself all this pressure of going like I've got to make an amazing thing just go set yourself the goal of I'm going to make a bad thing and finish it and just let it be bad so that's my goal with this is like I'm not I, I do want it to be incredible and I want to try as hard as I can to make it incredible but like like apart from that I also just want to finish it and make it and and part of that will be just letting myself know that it might be bad. But even if it's bad, I still want to finish it and do it. So, um, yeah, it might be bad. I've been working a lot, like trying to lay the foundations. I've set the days that we're going to film. I've also got a bunch of my gigs locked in for Edinburgh. Um, my, first, my new show is going to be at 3 p.m. at City Cafe. My old show is going to be at 9.30. That's Taco. It's going to be at 9.30 p.m. at 32 Below every day from the 4th till the 28th of August in Edinburgh. And uh, outside of those, so that's 25 performances each, that's 50. I've also got 74 spots. So all up so far, still with like three weeks to go before the festival starts. One, two, three. I've got fucking 124 spots and shows plus 16 days of filming and a bunch of interviews I've got to lock in. I'm kind of fucking terrified about the amount of work that I've given myself, but also excited and like, whatever. Here's this last story. This last, this fucking shit happened to me on Saturday night, man. And I've spoken about Car Next Door um, quite a lot on the pod because I've been using them for a couple of years now to hire cars so that I can drive to shows. And it's great because I don't own a car. I don't need to own a car. And I feel like I'm kind of doing a little bit of my bit for the environment and not owning a car. And I feel like I use cars less than if I owned one, I'd probably use it all the time. It'd be expensive. I'd spend money on petrol. This way, I have my bike, you know, I do my thing. So on Saturday night, I uh, got a call from a mate a few days earlier saying, hey, do you want to do this gig? Last minute, it's at a, a cricket club in uh, some town in uh, near like Mount Macedon or whatever. And I'm like, great. I had a gig canceled that night. So I had the night free. So I was like, yes, give me that gig. 200 bucks to do a bit of uh, bit of comedy to a cricket netball club out in the sticks. And it's a half hour drive from my house. So I'm playing Civ in the afternoon. I have a sick day on Saturday. I jumped on my mate's motorbike in the morning. Uh, that sounds like a fucking sex thing. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, went for a motorbike ride in the morning. 
uh, hung out with my housemate and her sister who was moving into our house, so a future housemate, um, in the afternoon and we did like a bit of sanding on this project, this table that we've been sanding down and we varnished it and that's all done. That was great. And then I played some Civ and then uh, at around six o'clock, the gig's at eight, I jumped in the shower and I was like, all right, I got to pick up the car, I got to have dinner and I got to get to the gig by eight. I'm on a bit later. I was on stage at like nine. So I got plenty of time. So the car's a 15-minute walk away. And you know what I did? Bit of a brainwave. On the way to go get the car, I stopped past this joint Blue Stone Barbecue, um, this like barbecue place to get some fucking... I was like, I'll order my food. I got a, a burger and a chips. I'll order it and then I'll go pick up the car and then I'll drive back. And by the time I get back, the food will be ready. Sick. And I hadn't eaten. You know when you're like, I'm going to eat later, so I'm not going to eat now, but I'm hungry, but I'll save it. I had done that, so I was hungry. I was ready for this food. And I walked to the car. Order, pay, walk to the car, and I get the car, get the key out of the lockbox, I jump in the car, and I turn the key, and it's not working. It's like, tick, tick, tick. It's just making that sound. The lights will go on or whatever, but the car's just like, tick, tick, tick. The ignition's not even starting. And I think what that means, I don't know dick about cars, but I think that means that the battery's flat. And a light kept turning on that said brake and there was like a battery symbol in the dash. So I reckon that means the battery's flat. So I'm like, okay, this car's fucked. So I put the key back in the lockbox and I end the trip on the app, on the Car Next Door app. And then I try and book another car and it says, you already have a car booked for that time. So it won't let me. So I'm like, okay, this is a glitch in the app now, but I can't book another car, so I can't get to this gig. And already the car's not worked, that's annoying, but now I can't book another one to go get my dinner and get to the gig. So I call the people and uh, I, I got my food at 7, like I ordered it, and it's now like 7.20. And I call the, the car next door people and they're like, oh yeah, that's weird. It's I'm 20 minutes on the phone to them. I find the other car that I want to book. I like found it on the street, even though I couldn't book it. I found where it was and eventually we got it sorted out. So they were like, okay, you should be able to book that car now. Great. So I'm like, thank you so much. I hang up the phone. It's now like 7.30, 7.35. And I'm looking around at where the lockbox is going to be and it's not there. There's no lockbox on this second car. So there's no key. So I can't get in. The second car that I've tried to hire now is not working. Now I'm really freaking out because I'm like, am I going to be able to get a third car? Am I going to have to go through this whole process again? Am I going to make it to the gig? I'm now, I've given up on the food. I'm like, the food's been sitting there for 45 minutes and now I'm not going to be even be able to have time to go back there and get it. So I'm angry, I'm hungry and I'm furious at the fucking car next door. I don't know who I'm angry at. The two owners of these fucking cars, myself for not giving myself more time, even though I gave myself ample time. I'm just all, it's all bad. So, uh, Oh no, I mean, what was it? No, yeah, I got, I ordered my, yeah, I ordered my food at seven, that's right. So yeah, at this point, it's like, I'm now looking at leaving for the gig at eight. And also, I'd pick that day, I got my new boots, I've got new boots, by the way, loving them from a killer, loving them so much. But I'm wearing them in, and I've been having band-aids on my feet, but I picked that night to be like, you know what, they're feeling good, so I'll take, I'll just, one pair of socks, 
and I start walking and they're rubbing against my feet and I can feel myself getting blisters and I've got to walk another 15 minutes to get to the third car because I call the people and they were like, we'll give you a $10 driving credit and I'm like, I want more than 10 fucking dollars. I want $100. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I said, I want more than $10. I think I'm entitled to, or I don't know, I just, I deserve more than $10. This has been more inconvenient than, you know, two sausage rolls. <laughs> been way more inconvenient than that and she's like i'm sorry that's all i can do and i'm like okay thank you very much you've been really helpful i'm just very upset right now and then i call the fucking i called bluestone barbecue because i was trying to do the right thing and i was like hey man i'm not gonna make it to the thing can you give my food away and they were like wait i need to get my manager i'm like no 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 please just my name's aiden you've got food there for me i'm not gonna make it because if something's happened so just give it away please and he's like are you sure and i'm like uh, when he said, are you sure? I like, kind of snapped at him because I was annoyed because I didn't want to be doing this. And I was just like, yeah, yes, please give it away. I just, yes, thank you. <laughs> it's like the angriest charity that that guy's ever. <laughs> Excuse me, I'd like you to give this money to orphans, all right? Okay, can you just fucking do it? <laughs> so I got to the third car. And uh, everything was there, thank God. And I get in the car and I'm like, thank fuck. I'm so angry. I was just like, thank fuck. I got in there. I was like, damn fucking straight. Um, I think on the walk, I was so proud of myself. I hadn't screamed. I screamed once on the walk to the third car. There was one moment where I was like, fucking cunt. <laughs> but it was only one. I only did one. A few times I wanted, one time I really wanted to and I stopped myself and then I looked to the left and the light was on in the room in the house next to me and I realized that if I'd screamed, I probably would have like made someone jump while they were watching their movie on a Saturday night. So I'm glad I didn't do that. Get in the third car, I'm driving and I'm like, I'm still hungry and I reckon I've got just enough time and there was a Hungry Jack. So I pulled in and I got an ultimate double whopper and I was like, can I get water for the drink? And they're like, yep. And then I pull up to the window, right? Saturday night, Hungry Jacks, I'm getting my food and this 15 year old kid at the window, I'm like, you know, to pay and he goes, man, I'm so, we don't have any water. So like, do you want a different drink? <laughs> and I was just like, I just snapped. I was like, man, it has not been my fucking night tonight. Like kind of laughing, you know? And the kid got it. It was really sweet. And he was just like, oh man, I was like, I'll oh, have a juice, please. And he, was, I paid and he was like, I hope the rest of your night's better, man. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Thank you, young child. <laughs> I hope that you make better decisions in the next 15 years so that you don't end up here needing the sympathy of a, a high school student to make yourself feel better on a Saturday night. Got to the gig. The gig was great. Came back. You can't hire cars past 11 o'clock. That's the latest you can hire them. And if you don't, like, if you don't stop the hiring at 11, you have to start, like, then the next thing you can do is six. You've got to have it for the whole night. Do you know what I mean? So... I'm driving back and uh, I've got to make it back. I waited till the end of the gig to hand out a few things and then I was driving back and I had to get back by 11. I got back at 10 past, but like it was still within the grace period and uh, got back, ended the trip, got yelled at, got honked at on the motorway for taking the wrong turn at one point. I was just all freaking out. Oh, by the way, on the way there, I ate my ultimate double whopper with one hand. Remember that thing? It takes two hands to eat a whopper. Wrong wrong i ate it with one hand with my elbow on the steering wheel going 100 
down the fucking highway. Didn't want to be late for my gig. So dangerous. Fucking so dumb. But anyway, at the end of the gig, I got, had a good gig, got the thing back, got my money, said thank you to the promoter, said sorry for scaring you there. And uh, then I had to walk for 20 minutes back to my house with my feet just bleeding <laughs> into my new shoes. And that's comedy, guys. That is a Saturday night in comedy. Maybe that's not comedy. Maybe that's just what happens when you don't plan your life accordingly and you just try and cut corners. Or maybe that's just what happens sometimes in life. Maybe I didn't even do anything wrong. Maybe that's just sometimes things don't work out and it's difficult. That's never that's happened to me one other time ever that a car hasn't worked with car next door and it happened to me twice in a row in one night. So, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's my last story for this week. And look, here's my last sip of tea. Yum, yum, yum. I hope you guys are having a good week, man. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast this and every other week. Episode 225, if you're 226, 226. If you want to go back and listen to that story about the fucking, the, 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 the people yelling at the uh, comedian in that other show that those girls came from in Geelong, whatever. If you like the podcast, by the way, five stars on, uh, on iTunes, five stars on Spotify. Come on, cunt. If you're listening this far, you're a five star, you know, or like, I don't know. I don't know what other reason you would have to be listening this far. I'm not going to guess. It's not for me to know. Just give us a five star review and uh, follow us on Instagram at Sitting Under Podcast and me at Aiden Jones Comedy. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace. <laughs>